Congress intending to shame, embarrass, and destroy the businesses of published the tax returns from a former president. In those documents are not only sensitive financial details, but the names of business allies, clients, vendors, who themselves are now subject to harassment by the radical left. If it can happen to a former president, it can happen to you. What do we do? We win at the ballot box. That's what we do. But that takes drive, and it takes a clear, focused eye on the truth. It takes TNN, the truth Network and Dan Newman. Folks, I'm sitting here in the studio with TNN Live. Good morning, by the way. Thank you for joining us this Wednesday. And I'm sitting here thinking through the past 24, 36 hours, everything that's going on around us, the chaos, the hatred, the anger, the vitriol, the fear, the unconscious devastation that we've already experienced in the run-up to the 2024 election. And we're still a year away from that. Well, not really a year now, 11 months away from that. We got a lot ahead of us, and it's it's gotten to a really, really horrible level already. And then you throw in the things like Ukraine, Russia, Hamas, Israel, China, North Korea, inflation, Joe Biden, (laughs) you roll all that stuff in there, and it becomes mind-boggling trying to puzzle through. And to get through this stuff, you've got to have two things. One, you've got to have information. And two, you've got to have faith. Not faith in me or faith in any other news outlet. Not faith in any one person. But faith in God. If you're a Christian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Faith and trust and belief are the essentials to live a pretty level life where you don't let emotion and fear control everything in your life. That's not easy to do. And a bunch of you out there already nodding your head, yeah, you're right, Dan, so what do we do about it? Well, we're going to claw through some of it. We're going to give you some examples. Even though there's a plethora of horror shows out there that playing out all this week, all day long, Monday, Tuesday, and now we're into Wednesday. We can concentrate on all that bad crap if you want to. If you decide to do that, let me know. I'm out. I'm not going to concentrate on that stuff other than to find the facts, find the evidence, prove what's true and what's not, and then just get on with it, doing the best that I can do with the knowledge I have and the information I have that I can implement in the ways, in the places in my life and those of my family members that I'm entrusted with. Guidance, finding facts, and dealing with facts, and also dealing with the other side. Getting rid of the junk that we verify is nothing more than junk. Now that, that itself is a full-time gig. But you know what really matters this month, today, this week? It's Christmas month. We're celebrating this month the opening, the beginning of the power that comes through God and his son that gives us the ability to have peace in our hearts and to reject fear every day, knowing that God's got this, whatever the heck this is, whenever it is. 
we're going to be okay. If we trust God, know God, trust God, and believe that he has all the answers for us. I must be honest. There have been times in my life where I questioned that. And I'm 70 years old. I've questioned that a bunch of times, but never yet has God failed me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not bragging about never having any issues, never having any problems. You name the places where most folks can, including each one of us, find themselves dealing with dilemmas. I've been there. You've been there. How did we get out of it? How did we get through it? For me, every time I made a choice when I was six years old, I'm going to let God guide me. And I may mess up every now and then, and I have, sometimes more than you, probably some of you more than me. But nevertheless, we're humans. We're all flawed. We have issues. Doesn't matter what people think or what you say about it. You're a human being. You have all the characteristics of every other human being. Now, you may not respond in the same way that I do and other people won't respond that way, but we all respond. And if and when we learn to make the choices based on facts and trust in the supernatural and believe that with God on our side, we can make it through everything, we're going to be okay ultimately. Well, I don't have enough money. I'm struggling to pay grocery bills. If you're serving God, if you're a Christian, and if you tithe, by the way, there are promises that come with that. Do you know that if you give what's called first fruits in the Word of God in the Bible, if you give first fruits, that means when you get a paycheck, right off the top, 10% of that goes back to God at whatever place you want to invest it. If you do that faithfully, and you've got 90% of it to live on, God promises you he puts himself on the hook to make sure you have every resource you need in your life, money and any other kind of resource, as long as you keep that commandment. And it's not one of the Ten Commandments. It's one of the life commandments. There's a if you do, I will thing. If you take care of your obligation to God for giving you the other 90% of it, you do it faithfully, God put himself on the hook to provide for all your needs. It's that simple. So no matter where you're going today, no matter what problems, what challenges you face, you're going to be okay. You are. God promised that you are. So let's just Relax a little bit this morning. Many of you have been at the office for already a couple of hours and you've had pile after pile of dilemmas thrown on your desk. Take a deep breath and just remember, this is Christmas. Hang all the mistletoe I'm gonna get to know you better This Christmas and as we trim the tree, how much fun this time will be together. This Christmas, fireside is blazing bright. And we're caroling through the night. 
Christmas at your house, whatever you put in it, that's what Christmas is going to be. So make it as good as you possibly can. And we don't always have to just fret over things we don't have any control of anyway. Sometimes circumstances do that. Sometimes we don't have the options, but in the long run, you're going to be all right. So just act like you believe that you're going to be all right. That's a much, much better place to live than where a lot of people are now. We have so many places we're going to go today, so many things we need to cover. And we're going to start with Joe Concha. You know who Joe Concha is? He's one of those contributing 
um, experts, media experts that you see on Fox News. I can't remember what the official title is, but they don't work full time there, but they come on and do these spotlight shows where they come in and do a segment and you see them every few days. Well, Joe Concha last night was talking about Donald Trump's lead in the election race and he likened it to Secretariat's lead when he dominated as winning horse racing's triple crown. I wasn't around when Secretariat was, but let me say this. He was unbeatable. And I know the guy that actually rode Secretariat when he broke his maiden. Now, what is that? In horse racing, until and unless a racehorse wins a race, they're considered to be maiden. And when they say broke his maiden, that means he won his first race. I know the guy that rode secretary at the day that he broke his maiden or won his first race, first of many races, probably the best thoroughbred racing horse in world history. So Joe Concha last night, he, he compared the lead that former President Donald Trump has in the election polls to those of Secretariat. Trump's lead is of Secretariat proportions at this point. Uh, And we've seen very little debate after the first three debates because without Trump there, who's playing it safe, it's hard to see Haley or DeSantis gaining in any serious way on the guy that they're trying to catch if he's not on stage with them. So we'll watch, of course, but you just wonder, where's the movement if the the champion is in, in the ring, so to speak? The movement will come, presumably, in the Iowa caucuses, January the 15th, and then in New Hampshire. That's where, if there's any move to to, to drop people out and 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 select Trump, it's January the 15th in Iowa and later in New Hampshire. That's how things are going to move. What do you say? Uh, I say Ted Cruz won Iowa in 2016 when Donald Trump decided not to debate right before those caucuses. Can it be done? It can be. But like we've talked about, serious core Trump supporters are unshakable and they will stick with him no matter what, as we have seen. I think that's a reality that most people are believing right now, even those on the left. If you like Trump, and if you have been a Trump supporter, we've learned over the last, what, seven years, that you can't listen to mainstream media, especially when they talk about Donald Trump. I don't know of one mainstream media outlet that has just been totally fair and honest about everything going on in Trump's life, especially when he was campaigning to be president and during the four years of his presidency. And then, of course, on the way out, they impeached him for the second time even after he had lost the election of 2020. They can't stand him. Don't let what you hear determine what you think about anything or anybody. That's why we tell you all the time it's critical for you to find out for yourself. When Donald Trump was running, I liked the idea when he and his wife came down that escalator in Trump Tower the day they announced they were going to run. I liked the idea of Donald Trump being the next president. Not because I like Donald Trump. All I knew about Donald Trump is what I knew about him. There's a big difference in knowing about somebody and knowing someone. 
I'm not even going to get into that. You understand that. But I like the concept of having, for the first time in my lifetime, somebody running the ship, the good ship USA, that knew what running a major operation is all about and how to do it and the pitfalls and what not to do and what not to get caught up in, being focused. Even when you make a mistake in a decision that you make, you understand that can't be the end of the world. Everybody makes some mistakes. Well, guess what? Barack Obama didn't know a thing about that. And he was president for eight years. He created a bunch of problems. He tried a bunch of things that if Donald Trump had been in office, he wouldn't have tried them. And you know why? Not because he's smarter than Barack Obama. It's because he'd been down that road many, many times, and he knew what pitfalls were going to show up in many cases. And Donald Trump, in his professional career, made some big mistakes. He learned from his mistakes. And when you're in commercial business, you learn a heck of a lot more about life, the business world, economy, all of the economic issues that impact the people you're leading. He did it in multiple companies through multiple years for thousands of Americans. And he learned a lot. He was a much better president than Barack Obama getting things done. Does that mean Barack Obama wasn't a good guy, isn't a good guy? Not at all. He didn't know the things. He had not lived through the things that Donald Trump did. And so whether you want to admit it or agree with it is immaterial. This is a fact. Running the United States of America is probably running the largest corporation in the world. And I only know one person One person that could say that right now. And only one person that can say, I did it commercially and now I did it politically. And I was successful in both areas. You can't be credible and say that Donald Trump didn't achieve some phenomenal results very quickly for all of us. He had roadblocks. He made some mistakes. He did some things that I disagree with. And you know what? If you sit down with him now and ask him about those specific things, what does a good leader, what does a good manager, what does a good CEO do and learn from? When you mess up, you admit it. You learn from it. And don't do it again, period. These typical Potomac Valley, Potomac River people Washington, D.C. elites, they don't know a thing about that. Most of them are career politicians and or bureaucrats. All they know about or think they know about is government. You got power. You can make people do whatever you want to do. You can tell them to do whatever you want to tell them and they got to do it. That's not leadership. And that's not a winning way to run anything, especially the United States of America. I was kind of shocked and I was really pleased this morning when I heard about what I'm about to tell you about. Guess what happened over in the Middle East? Israel deployed what's called an Arrow Long Range Air Defense Missile for the first time. 
They just announced it, but it happened last month. Guess what it, it did and what it does? They shot down a ballistic missile in outer space. Israel did that. First time it's been done in history. The first space battle. Now, who threw that ballistic missile up there? Listen, it wasn't Russia. It wasn't China. The Houthi terrorists in Yemen. Oh, my gosh. Those people had that technology. Yeah, they did. They launched an Iranian-made Ghadr-110 ballistic missile at Israel, and it was intercepted by an IDF Aero-2 missile. Incredibly, the interception took place well above the edge of Earth's atmosphere. 62-mile carbon line is what it's called. It was above that. 62 miles. Think about that. Ballistic missiles use rocket boosters accelerate into outer space before their trajectory brings them down to Earth again, plunging down towards their intended target. As a report in the British newspaper of records, the Times on the interception notes, the taking down of the Iranian-made missile was the first time a battle was known to have been fought in space. Professor Isaac Ben-Israel, a scientist and chairman of Israel's space agency, he explained the logic behind even developing such a capable anti-missile system that was even capable of taking our targets out in space, referring to a big strike of 42 Iraqi Scud missiles fired against Israel back in 1991. Professor Ben-Israel told the Times, Israel believes future ballistic missile strikes against the nation could and will likely carry nuclear warheads. Consequently, he said, we needed to respond as high as possible and as far away from the borders of Israel as we could. A couple of days after this historic interception happened, Israel launched the Arrow 2 successor, the Arrow 3, for the first time. Can you believe it? That means there was an Arrow 1. We don't know about it. Well, they launched the Arrows 2 successor. So now we have the Arrow 1, 2, and 3. And this one shooting down a Houthi-launched ballistic missile over the Red Sea. This is pretty cool, I think. Previously reported the capability of the Israel-U.S. Arrow missile has been noted by Israel's Western partners, Germany has just placed a major order to buy the defense system from Jerusalem this year. Said to be worth $3.5 billion, $3.5 billion, billion with a B. It's one of the largest defense sales deals for Israel ever and is expected to be delivered next year. Think about that. I love that. And they, Israel, have the only one so far. Now, I'm just going to say something. I'm not stupid. I know there are people out there that are developing all kinds of lookalikes and duplicating spy everybody, every nation, spies on every other nation. People over there, especially China, Russia, North Korea. Oh, let's throw the United States in there. We'll, we'll find and take every advantage that we possibly can take and call it I'm doing this in the name of the goodness and protection of the U.S. people. Yeah, right. 
Well, why else would they do it, Dan? Why would the U.S., why would the CIA, other agencies, spy on anybody else? Well, obviously, you can say part of the reason is to make sure we are right there with everybody else if and when we need to be right there with them. But that's not the initial purpose. I think many of you know where I'm going with this. The love of money is the root of all evil. It may not all be all about money, but at the bottom of every incident, every war, people are wanting to get something over on the people they're fighting in this war. And it doesn't have to be a real bang, bang, shoot them up war. It can be a war of technology. It can be a war of all kinds of things. But the seed to it all, the seed to it all, is money. And there's a lot of money going on, going around these days. Wow. So we let you hear from Joe Concha. Yesterday, Katie Pavlich, Charlie Hurt, and Larry Kudlow, they joined together talking about uh, all this stuff that's happening in our world today. And I mean, everything. You think about it. We topped the show. We talked about the the war going on in Israel. You've got Ukraine and uh, Russia going at it. China is about to take over Taiwan. Nobody credibly can say other than that. And you have Kim Jong-un sitting up in North Korea, and he's just lighting up his heart trying to find some way that he can go beat up on somebody without getting killed himself. And then, of course, there's Xi Jinping. And then there's Joe Biden. You realize there's a bomb over all of us. And we don't have any idea, but sometimes and often, far more often than we want to believe that somebody jumps up and lights that bomb and lights it without even knowing what the repercussions are going to likely be. So I said all that to say this. I want you to listen to Larry Kudlow, Katie Pavlich, and Charlie Hurt on some of this mess going on right now. Katie, listening to those Ivy League presidents was stomach-turning and pathetic. That's what I think. I mean, how the hell do they still have their jobs? Awful. It's horrible. And I think what was very clear today by the Republicans asking these questions is that these administrators and the faculty that they oversee don't live up to their own standards of conduct and discrimination. I've been on dozens of college campuses where I've been protested and there are safe spaces for all kinds of groups. But when it comes to what we're seeing now with these pro-Hamas, pro-violence against Jewish students, somehow the safe spaces for Jewish students who are, you know, really actually under threat and mobbed into cafeterias and told to hide in attics, there doesn't seem to be any room for them in the handbook of non-discrimination right. at these universities. Incredible. Wasn't uh, Charlie Hurt, I mean, if I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the head of MIT, for God's sakes, um, How many government contracts do they have? Head of MIT wouldn't let the Jewish kids in the front door of the university because it was going to cause trouble? Really? I mean, this is worse than the civil rights movement years ago. 
Yeah, no, it's utterly, totally, completely indefensible. And, you know, sadly, we've known for a long time that, that these colleges and universities were peddling poison. I had no idea it was just this bad. Mm -hmm. And it was so bad that you actually have university pre uh, presidents who are, uh, like, defended. They, they, it's like they don't actually see how disgusting mm -hmm. this stuff is. Mm -hmm. But the second thing, Larry, that is really depressing about all this is that it's a poison that is leached into our politics, or maybe it's come, it comes from our politics. But the only people who are lighting these people up are Republicans, and this should be like, it's a pretty low bar, yep. but condemning calls yep. for genocide yep. ought to be sort of a bipartisan issue Stefanik. in our country, and up until like yesterday, Al Al it was. Elise Stefanik is exactly right. This yeah. should be the easiest question mm -hmm. for them to answer. The easiest question they'll exactly. ever be yeah. faced as a college president, but no, no, you're right. They have to parse yeah. through Lord knows what. You know, Katie, uh, with the great Sean Hannity and... Um, uh, former President Trump. Um, I mean, they ought to talk about that. Trump ought to talk about that. This anti-Semitism. Yeah. Because it's clear to me the tide has turned, okay? The country is in favor of Israel, but the country is opposed to this horrible, hate-filled anti-Semitism. And I think Trump would be wise to put that on his agenda. What do you think? Yeah, I think the country, uh, for the most part, <laughs> the majority of the country is opposed yeah. to terrorism, especially when it comes to uh, Islamic terrorism that we've seen in a number of these communities in Michigan in particular, uh, people coming out in favor of what happened on October 7th, which was one of the worst terrorist attacks we've seen, and certainly the worst terrorist attack that Israel has ever seen uh, in its history since being founded as a country in 1948. And so the president should absolutely talk about that. He should talk about how Joe Biden is actually trying to waver on this issue for mm. the sake of those people mm. in his party's base who want him to pull away from the morality of backing Israel and anti-terrorism uh, and the national security implications that would have for the United States of America. Yeah, we have an Islamophobic, an, I'm sorry, an Islamophobia interagency group in the White House, Charlie, but we don't have an anti-Semitism interagency group in the White House. I mean, I was, I was going to say how Trump needs to stay on his economic growth message because a lot of experts are talking recession, and I've got two experts sitting up here right on set. But polls are showing recession. But this thing, a report from Hillary Bond, who's a fabulous reporter, watching these people, I, I'm just burned up. I'm sorry, I'm just burned up by it. I mean, I'm, I suppose I'm losing my cool. But how can these over-educated Ivy League college presidents not give a simple yes or no answer to uh, hate crimes and anti-Semitism and related matters. Give you the last word, Charlie. And, and think of all the ways these huge universities are protected and enriched by the government, by the federal oh, yeah, government. Absolutely. And They're there's never the been a politician who yes. could... Who, who could get in there and actually make an issue out of something yes. like this? And I agree with you. I wish Donald Trump would. He should absolutely light up these universities and come up with real plans to target. Because, you know, all, whether it's student loans, right. all the ways that these universities are, are bene uh, you know, benefit from the largesse of taxpayers and are protected uh, for, in ways that regular, you know, regular corporations uh, and, and nonprofits aren't protected. These places, um, I think that a guy like Donald Trump could actually make a huge issue yes, out of this. Yes, he can just tell them we're going to cut off your money. Yeah. These schools are on the government yeah. dole, big time. That's the dirty little also, secret Larry, of this whole thing. Larry, one more thing, thing, real quickly. Real quick, Katie. 
These schools are also getting foreign money, especially from oh, places like Qatar, right, who are right. harboring Hamas yes. leaders and yeah. terrorists. So the president right. could also address that issue, in addition to the Iranian issue, where we're getting attacked dozens of times without any response. Sorry about that. Got to turn the mic switch on before you can talk. <laughs> it is so obvious that Everybody that revolves around the White House, the people that are directly working in it, the people that are working with people that are in the White House, but they may be working across the street or in uh, New York City or someplace like that, they are close to going into panic mode. Seriously. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. Do you can, I can't even imagine the horror that ripped through the hearts and minds of all these leftist leaders when this mess over in the Middle East broke out the way that it is broken out. They just assumed, they did not know, but they just assumed everybody in the United States was going to support Israel and it was going to become a talking point to be used in the 2024 election. But what happened? Money, money, money. The people on the left, the people that hate Jews, you can polish that term up and call it anti-Semitism, whatever you want to, but it is nothing but hatred and racism for somebody of a other religious persuasion. And literally, folks, they're talking, thinking, many of them genocide on Israel a big group of White House employees wrote a nasty letter to President Biden. Now think about that. These people work in the White House, therefore you and I are paying their bills. We're the ones that are paying to fund everything that operates out of the White House, and that would include paychecks, right? They're attacking their boss, our president, and demanding that he come out against Israel. You cannot put this one back in the bottle, folks. It's way down the road. And here's where, when I, the opening segment, we talked about Donald Trump. Donald Trump understands and knows a lot of things that most Democrats and Republicans in government today have no clue about. That's managing all kinds of situations and doing so effectively. What they're doing now is throwing darts against the wall in the White House, in the Oval Office. They don't have a clue. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They're afraid of everything, and it is obvious to everybody on earth, including people that you would want to be the last ones to ever know what you're dealing with in this, in this thing, which is we're fearful. We don't know what to do. Wow. We're going to take our first break on the other side of this. You're going to want to stay for sure. Riley Gaines. Everybody knows who Riley Gaines is. She's up next. She took on the bureaucrats, not just in D.C., but all around the United States. And it was a great fight. 
but I think she won. Katie, Budweiser listening to the those first Ivy League star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name. Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your name. Got anything tall and cool? Oh, Budweiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh. Your name. Come here. Now. Mm. Your name. Your name. Your name. Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a bud. You've earned it. This bud's for Your name. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Great shadow legends. I mean, wow. <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like... Uh, wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um um big and then you go to battle and it's like then finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction such a primal feeling Ooh! download raid shadow legends play for free welcome to mcdonald's may i take your order hi can i get a can i get a get in the mcdonald's can i get a can i get a yeah can i get a Can I get a... Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Blaster in hand. We're blasting... Firing away at lies and gross misrepresentations and just cutting to the chase and giving you facts and letting you listen to people that are bringing us facts. In just a minute, we're going to look back at Tucker's latest offering on his X show, formerly known as Twitter. You're not going to want to miss this episode, and we are doing a quick uh, analysis of it. We'll bring you the short version but it's full of some things that are really critical for us all to be thinking about, especially with everything we have going on here. But going into the break, I brought up the name Riley Gaines, a great swimmer, world-class, world champion, great swimmer in college at the University of Kentucky. And she was thrust into the middle of this transgender sporting crap that has just sprung up around the world. Whatever happened to the pro-women organizations that were out there that cropped up in the 60s and the 70s? Title IX came out of that. A government operation, law, rule that put in place every university, every high school that receives public funds has got to give women the same rights and the same opportunities and the same resources as they do for men in all of those sports. Well, Riley Gaines, you know her story. 
the first trans swimmer that came in, 6'5". I mean, it was the most atrocious things that happened. You've heard some of her stories. Well, yesterday, Congress had a committee hearing to discuss changing, editing Title IX to include protection within Title IX for trans people. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where's Jane Fonda? Trans is a gender. It's an option. It's not science. Title IX was to keep anybody that is being attacked in any way unfairly male versus female and other things. We got to have equal treatment for everybody. Well, they think, well, you know, biological. Ah, we've learned. Science is telling us biology is not everything. You can be a dog and you got to be treated okay, just like cats are treated. It's that asinine and that stupid. So in this hearing yesterday, there were some really powerful people, Democrats, pro-trans, pro let anybody be and say anything they want to be and you got to give them the same rights as everybody else. Doesn't matter if facts are not in that conversation technically. And it got a little dicey. U.S. Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana got in the middle of this too. You're going to like this. Women you don't some that believe are that a biological male has a physical advantage in sports over a biological female? Not as a, a definitive statement. Give me an example. Well, no, I, I don't think. How, 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 how many female members of the NBA do you see? Well, I can say that, you know, there's been this news article about men that think that they could beat Serena Williams in tennis right? That they think that they could actually score a point on her. Um, and it's just not the case. She is stronger than that. What's your experience, Ben? Male, female? Both Serena and Venus lost to the 203rd ranked male tennis player, which they're phenoms for women. Um, my experience, my husband, he swam at University of Kentucky as well. In terms of accolades and in terms of national ranking, I was a much better swimmer than him. Um, he could kick my butt any day of the week without trying. <laughs> So, I think most people, all reasonable people and realistic thinkers, understand biologically in athletics, and I can't think of maybe one or two events where being real physical is not part of the event and the competition, but other than that, males have an advantage. Males have an advantage. Isn't that why Title IX was implemented in the first place to make sure women are treated fairly just like biological males are that person you heard talking with john kennedy representative summer lee a democrat from pennsylvania she got in the middle of she was very arrogant she's a congressional newbie somehow became the ranking member on that subcommittee she dismissed the testimony of Gaines and other witnesses who were defending real female athletes against government-mandated, institutionalized, competitive unfairness as transphobic 
in a standard left-wing tactic to rebut anybody that opposes an argument. It's disappointing to me, Lee said, that although the title of this hearing implies a much-needed discussion, we're likely going to be forced to listen to transphobic bigotry. Now, that was Representative Lee in her opening remarks. So when it was Riley Gaines' turn, she turned the tables. She told Lee if her testimony made her transphobic, talking about what Lee said about Riley Gaines, that the activist lawmaker, Lee herself, was a misogynist. (laughs) Think about that. She, a woman, attacked Riley Gaines. Oh my gosh, that drew a typical reaction when the Democrat tried to have the remarks scrubbed from the record, but they wouldn't do it. Inclusion cannot be prioritized over safety and fairness, Riley Gaines said. Ranking member Lee, if my testimony makes me transphobic, then I believe your opening monologue makes you a misogynist. Listen to this. Madam Chair, excuse me, I move to have the gentlewoman's words taken down Representative Lee said, cutting off the next witness with her plea to the chairwoman, Lisa McLean, a Republican from Michigan. Madam Chair, she's engaging in personalities, Lee whined during a pause in the hearing, while her point of order was discussed and then rejected. As the squad Democrat, uh uh-oh, squad, that explains some things, doesn't it? She may be second-level member of the squad in the House. She was fourth to withdraw it. So after the hearing, Lee retreated to the safe space of where? X, formerly Twitter, where she complained about the hearing after she was upstaged. Here's a quote. I would have hoped that the first at oversight Dems hearing I presided over would be on holding big oil, big pharma, or banks accountable for preying on hardworking families. Instead, she said at yet another extremist Republican hearing attacking trans kids, what a cruel, unserious party. So, guess what Riley Gaines did? She went to X. Order of events. This is her tweet. Order of events. Lee says my stance is transphobic bigotry. I respond by saying if I'm a transphobe, Lee is a misogynist. Lee moves to have my words removed from the record. Her move is withdrawn, so technically she's still a misogynist. They can dish it out, but they can't take it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. It's almost like you want to get some popcorn and sit in on these committee hearings and watch them just fall to pieces. Ah, so I told you, I promised you, we we had some Tucker Carlson news we were going to bring to you. And I want to do just that. I'm pulling it up here. Often... um, we have so many pieces of information that are open in front of us. Sometimes we misplace them. 
I can't believe. I'm looking at everyone I have up here. I told you at the top of the show we had so many things to talk about. It was going to be tough to um, get into all of this because there's, there's plenty of things that we can get into. Oh, my gosh. Where'd it go, Dan? Da, 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 da. <laughs> well, why don't we do this? Why don't you hum a little song, and I'm going to find it. Tucker Carlson. Let me see if something pops up here that I'm looking for. I don't think you've uh, ever heard me do this during a show. Usually I can find it pretty quickly what I'm looking for, especially when it's important. And of course now it's not showing up. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I'm going to find it before the show is over. No question about it. Meantime, let's move on. We don't have a lot of time to uh, uh, to keep looking for that. I'll find it during the next break. I told you about the White House intern sending that letter to Joe Biden, and they are demanding a Middle East ceasefire. And when I say demanding, they're wanting to get our president to call Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, and tell him, you've got to have a full ceasefire. The insolence of those, most of probably are either still in college interns or just out of college. And of course, they, they're from the crop, the first big crop that all are proving they were brainwashed in college to support and believe that anti-Semitism is not only okay, It's required. If you're going to be an American, you have got to show your stuff. And they grew up in these colleges and universities. Those professors, you know where they came from? When I was young, I went to school. I went to college with a lot of these professors. And they almost to a person adopted far left ideology in every part of their lives. Of course, they don't even talk about it until something comes up. But these are the people that then went to the generation my kids are in, and they, in colleges, started teaching the drivel that began during the Vietnam War. That should have never happened. The Vietnam War should have never happened. Not one American young man or woman needed to die in that combat. It was all about Lyndon B. Johnson, former President Johnson's big time defense contractor, political supporters. They needed to manufacture guns, ammunition, military vehicles, and sell them to the government. It was all about the money. Now, how do I know that? Talk to my kids. They know it better than I did. They were getting it in college from these hippies that were anti-Vietnam protesters in an even greater way than these people are protesting today. That's the kind of stuff that's happening. It's all about money. 
I even think our government officials like Joe Biden. I don't even think, I'm sure it crosses their mind because he does a lot of things regarding money and obtaining things that money buys and doing so in a shady way at best, illegally at worst. He's got a lot of that in his rearview mirror. But we're finding out what lessons and ideology can do regarding the way it is given to people. People are willing to believe what people they have respect for say. Not because they have vetted it and know that it's true, but they're told, college professors, I mean, these are supposed to be some of the smartest people on earth. When they say something is right, something's real, we're supposed to swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And many of them, most of them as a matter of fact, are saying so. The second piece of this crazy Palestinian hate Israel stuff that's playing out on the streets, not just in the U.S., but around the world, the second piece of that is they're being paid to go to instigate and exacerbate these on-the-street, very public, very televised protest. We did a story last week and named three of the individuals that we know factually have been spending millions of dollars paying for these arranged protests against Israel around the world to happen, not just in the United States. Can you believe that? The love of money is the root of all evils, so people are looking for a way to make bucks, especially in Biden inflation. Hey, why don't you go get a few of your buddies and put on some of this Palestinian garb and make some posters that say these slogans, and then you guys get out in New York City and Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, London. You'll make some money that way. And they'd been taught already the fundamental founding of that thought process that they're considering. And, hey, I kind of believed that when I heard it in college anyway, and they're going to pay me to go talk about it. I'm in. I'm frustrated I can't find that Tucker Carlson piece that I was going to bring to you. I'm sorry. If I don't find it today, we'll touch on it tomorrow. It's, It's a really important thing we need to look at. Numbers, employment numbers out this morning, and they're not good. Businesses added just 103,000 workers nationwide to their payrolls in November. Economists had expected a stronger pace of job growth with the consensus at 25,000 more, 128,000 was predicted. Prior month was revised down. 7,000 from 113 to 106,000. This report no longer attempts to anticipate government's official payroll report, which comes out on Friday this week. Last month, the Labor Department said non-farm payrolls grew by 150,000. Private payrolls expanded by just 99,000. And remember, it was revised down, 113 to 106. Labor Department, they're expected to report about 180,000 jobs Last month, new jobs. Private payrolls are expected to rise by 150,000. All of this, once again, is just further proof that Bidenomics is crapanomics. It is not working. People, 
And the numbers, you know, the added cost numbers in Bidenflation, you know, when he first started getting these numbers reported after he took to the White House. Oh, it was okay. They, Janet Yellen, our Secretary of the Treasury, promised all of us that inflation is transitory and it's temporary. And it's going to be here for a little while and it'll go down and we'll be fine. And every month or so, she comes out and kind of revises the verbiage. But do you remember the first report I heard about inflation and its exact cost on American people, families, it was making us pay about $1,100 a year more than we paid last year for the same stuff. You remember that? And every couple of months, they'll let it ease up a little bit, a little bit. You know what the latest is? $1,100 a month. $12,000 more a year for the same stuff. And you got to also remember, if you've been to the grocery store, you know you're not getting the same stuff. They're disguising it in packaging and labeling, and it looks like you're getting the same amount of everything, but you're not. If you look, if you've got an old box of cereal, which you probably don't, but something that you use to kick in the kitchen, and you've had some of it, a few boxes or bags of it, go look at the amount of the material and the current bag you have now that you bought recently to the volume and the one that you've had in the cupboard for about six months. They're reducing the amount of product they're putting in the similar packaging, but they've reduced the size of the packaging. The first one of those that I saw was bread. We've used the same type of bread for years. It's very obvious. And all of a sudden, we started seeing the prices were going up, going up, going up. And then not only did we all of a sudden see the prices keep going up, but the size of the bread, the pieces of bread, were smaller. In other words, we were getting less, but paying more. That's kind of like double inflation. Don't you think? I think that makes sense to me. You're paying more and you're getting less. That is the definition, a real definition of inflation, two kinds at the same time. And we're not getting any kind of truth or information out of the White House that tells us what we're really going to do to really take care of these issues. There is no relief in sight in the Biden administration. The only hope we have is to get him out of the White House and not be replaced by another hardcore leftist that wants to take over every aspect of our lives and take our money to fund it all. We don't have it. They don't want us to have any say-so in what they do, what they're, they're teaching us. They're conditioning us now. Just send us your tax dollars. Don't worry about paying for anything, figuring it out. We're going to take over and we're going to pay for everything. We'll tell you what you can eat, what you can have in your home, what you can buy, what you have to pay for energy costs, all that kind of stuff. But you're going to be okay. We're going to make sure of that. Meanwhile, in the background, 
all of the chaos at our southern border. It's kind of like they think if we don't talk about it, they're going to forget about it. The American people are going to forget about the flood of 8 million illegals coming across the border on Joe Biden's watch. We don't know who they are. In most cases, we don't know where they are. We don't know what they did, where they lived before they came here. But we find out after the fact, amazingly, many times they were criminals, many of them hardcore criminals. Many of them had been here before and were kicked out for being criminals, and now they're back with us. We haven't been hearing about that the last few weeks. Congressman Byron Donalds, he went a little nuts yesterday, (laughs) along with Maria Bartiromo, Dick Durbin. He's a uh, soft-spoken guy. He's from Illinois, I believe. He's a U.S. senator, but I think he's from Illinois. Long-standing, been around a long time. He came up with a great idea in a conversation yesterday in a committee hearing. We need to figure out what to do with all these illegals that are coming over here, especially these single men. Hey, let's put them in the military. What military, you ask? The United States military. Byron Donalds went nuts. Are you kidding me? You've got Chinese nationals coming into the border, into America in the thousands, and you've got Dick Durbin talking about uh, transitioning illegals into working in our military? America, do you see the foolishness happening up here on Capitol Hill? Senate Democrats and House Democrats and Joe Biden refuse to secure the southern border. They want $120 million for everybody else, but they won't take care of America and the American people. And then Dick Durbin says, hey, it's okay. Let's just put them in the military and everything's going to be all right. That is the very essence of a national security crisis. These people are nuts. They don't deserve majorities. They do not deserve the White House. Uh, The American people need to do their job and vote these fools out. Because if this kind of nonsense continues, it will be to the destruction of our country. That's all I got to say about it. There's the obvious bad thing in what you just heard, the fact that we've got 8 million people that we know about that are here illegally just in three years. That's pretty significant, don't you think? And then we get all the facts that say, um, you know, we don't know who they are, we don't know where they came from, and we're not quite sure there aren't more than those that we're telling you because we can't because we refuse to finish the border wall to implement all of the infrastructure that was earmarked and was allocated to be paid for financially under the Trump administration, we we just quit all that. So we've got some electronics out there. We have Border Patrol people out there, and of course they don't want to talk about the fact that they pulled off of the line You know, people out there looking to find illegals crossing and make sure they're returned to their nation of origin where the law says they're supposed to go. Instead of that, our Border Patrol, Customs and Border Patrol people are being pulled off those jobs, taken to these centers where these illegals are being dropped off and they're having to work there instead of doing the job they were hired to do, protect the southern border, Dick Durbin. He's not, at least I thought he wasn't, a stupid man. 
but he comes up. That was his answer when he was asked, what are you expecting to do with these millions of illegals that are coming over here? What are you expecting them to do? And he came up with the, hey, you know, we're having a problem getting soldiers and Marines into our military. We can plug that hole by putting these illegals in our military. Let's do things like give them guns, teach them how to drive tanks, and how to shoot big artillery shells. (laughs) They hate us to start off with. They want our life, but they want to tear it down and make it just like they had where they lived before. And we're all, we're going to pay them to do that in the military? Talking with you, not at you. Intelligent Conversation. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. When we first were looking at uh, trying to come up with everything happening, all the circumstances in this invasion by Hamas that began early in the wee hours of Saturday morning, October 7th, with the slaughter of about 1,200 Israeli innocent people, we started talking about what can be done, what should be done, how can Israel respond, what's Hamas going to do, is Iran ever going to get in this thing and be uh, even out front in this battle and war, is this going to be World War III? Asking all those questions and trying to come up with a way to stop what Hamas was continuing to do. There were a lot of ideas thrown around there. One of the biggest things we learned was all of the tunnels that had been exceptionally engineered and built underground all through Gaza, and that Hamas was making those tunnels their headquarters. They were using those tunnels to transfer equipment, military equipment, and do anything and everything they could undetected underground. And we found out it was a really good thing that they had did to protect themselves 
in a skirmish or a all-out war like we're in now between those two. And I begin to ask questions. Isn't there something that Israel can do about or with the tunnel network to use that against Hamas and stop it? Well, pictures overnight have shown up that show Israeli forces are about to flood this labyrinth of tunnels used by Hamas under the Gaza Strip. They're going to flood it with seawater. Israel is said to have completed installing at least five big pumps about a mile north of the Al-Shati refugee camp that could move thousands of cubic feet of water per hour, meaning they could flood the 300-mile network of tunnels in less than a week. Their plan would be to drive out the terrorists from the tunnels, make them inoperable by flooding the system with seawater, And now images released by the IDF appear to show scores of Israeli soldiers setting up a series of black pipes on the sandy beaches of Gaza. Video that was shared by Israeli media also appears to show these soldiers, IDF soldiers, working on the pipes while underground. It emerged on Monday that Israel has assembled a system of large pumps it could use to flood the vast network of tunnels under the Gaza Strip with seawater. Now, this has been confirmed by the White House. So if Joe Biden agrees with it and says that it's so, it's so, right? (laughs) That's a joke. So what would happen? Well, the tactic would enable Israel to destroy the tunnels, kill any Hamas terrorist hiding within them. Officials told this to the Wall Street Journal. It was not clear whether Israel would consider using the pumps before all the Israeli hostages captured by Hamas on October 7th as any move to flood the tunnels would prove fatal for the captives. But footage shared by Israel appeared to show Israeli soldiers filling up pipes, working on pumps underground. And the IDF, Israeli Defense Force Chief of Staff Lieutenant General Herzi Halevi, appeared to confirm the report that Israel aims to flood Hamas's tunnel networks. And they're calling it a good idea. You know, the, the worst thing that happens in war is every real war that happens, people die. Not just soldiers, innocents, civilians, people that just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and caught up in it one of the the travesties of this entire thing. And it's just now being discussed. It's never been okay to even talk about rape and what Hamas was doing to the women that they took hostage. It came out late yesterday, and it they, they knew this. They knew this was going on, but nobody wanted to take it up in conversation for humane reasons. No women. Very few young women have been released in the groups that have been released. Some have, and the ones that have are telling horror stories about how they were treated at the hands of these Hamas thugs. And war crime rape is one of the big tools that they've used. We are told that Hamas still has a 100 women being held hostage that they don't want to release because they don't want these women 
to come out of captivity and get in front of media and reveal the horrors and the barbarism they have used against these women. Weaponized rape is what it's called. So any Hamas sycophant out there, I've made this public before, I'll say it again. You are welcome to call in on this show and take me on if you disagree with this if you think it's fake, if you think it's false. I'm open to find out, but when you call, if you do, have facts to back up, not opinions. I could go on and on, but I'm not going to. Well, guess who is named Time Magazine's Person of the Year? Drumroll? Nah. Superstar, age 33. Taylor Swift. She just finished a $1 billion, 66-date tour. And, of course, she's got that whirlwind romance with very adorable Travis Kelsey, placed tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. You roll that all in, and, of course, Taylor Swift's got to be the person of the year, right? So who is she up against? Well, she beat out Vladimir Putin, Barbie, King Charles, and Sam Altman, among others, shortlisted for the honor. Last year, it was Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and the spirit of Ukraine that topped the rankings after dominating headlines since Russia invaded. This is the proudest and happiest I've ever felt and the most creatively fulfilled and free I've ever been. That's Taylor Swift. She said that in an interview for the cover of the iconic magazine. She's described in the story as a master storyteller of the modern era. She spoke of her NFL star boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, for the first time publicly, sharing the relationship that started with a comment on the podcast the football star shares with his brother. Oh my gosh, you got a podcast? You can get a date with Taylor Swift? Oh my gosh, <laughs> she's what, 33 years old? Both of all three of our kids, two daughters, <laughs> they're older than Taylor Swift. I don't think, uh, no matter what I would say on this podcast, it would lead to a relationship of any kind with Taylor Swift. I like some of her music. Um, you noticed I threw the word some in there. But she just seems like she's really into um, Taylor Swift. Enough said. Haters gonna hate, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. I still can't find that story I was looking for. I can't believe it. Well, we've been hearing and they've had congressional hearings over and over and over again about locking down what we can say, what people can say. And they're still doing it. The whistleblowers in the epicenter of pretty much all of this stuff. And um, it's just reaching heights that 
we never thought our government would ever be involved with. People like Rand Paul, Republican senator from Kentucky. He and his father both. His father was in the U.S. Congress for many years. They warned us. Government attacking Americans in every way. Our First Amendment rights are attacked constantly now. Second Amendment rights, oh my gosh, they're doing everything they can to just take them away. Freedom of religion. All of those things rolled into the horror show that we're hearing. And every day, something in Congress is coming up that just reveals it's worse than we thought it could be. They're clamping down on all of our freedoms, and then they're forcing us to accept things that we don't want. I'll give you an example. What was the big first achievement that Joe Biden was able to brag about? Inflation Reduction Act. You remember that? What came out of that? You remember we reported the first bit of that money. It was $6.5 billion, by the way. $6.5 billion for this one type of infrastructure stuff. It was for roads and streets and sidewalks. And remember, we were going to, for all of the electric vehicles, over $6 billion of that money was earmarked to put charging stations all across the nation. Anybody that drove east to west from the Atlantic Ocean to California on I-20, I-10, you were going to have charging stations all along the way, north and south, east and west. Oh, it was going to be a great thing, $6.5 billion. How many have they done? How many of those charging stations have been installed? Now, this is almost three years ago. Guess. Zero. Not one. The Biden administration has not installed one charging station. Now, how could that possibly be? They've done a few things regarding infrastructure as defined. The very first thing they did was up in the Northeast in one small town, actually a village. I forget the name of it. We reported on it at the time. It was a $20 million job on a sidewalk less than 200 feet long. You know, it gets cold up there. I believe it was in Vermont. It gets cold up there. It was either Vermont or New Hampshire and they're next door neighbors, so it really doesn't matter. They spent $20 million to put electricity in the concrete for the sidewalk so it could melt the snow in a little town up in the Northeast. Does any of this kind of stuff surprise you? And then they brag about everything they've done. Let me go on record and tell you this. Electric vehicles, EVs as we're supposed to call them, are a total flop. This will go nowhere. We published a story two months ago that showed we know electric cars are being dominated. Their production and sales. China, China, China. Well, we released pictures 
of five and 10 acre lots. These pictures have been verified. They are from China. China is producing electric cars out the wazoo and they can't export them anywhere because nobody wants them. And they are lining up these cars in the tens of thousands in these empty lots, nose to rear end. Thousands of them across China. And you know what their justification is for it? Everybody else follows suit. The U.S., we're right there. We're going to do it. Joe Biden said, we're going to be all electric. Yesterday, Democrat Governor Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan, she decreed all vehicles, all state Michigan state vehicles got to be electric. Brutal winters up there. Michigan got just more challenging. Whitmer pressed through another progressive move on renewable energy. Now, this is on the heels of several other maneuvers meant to push Michigan residents into electro vehicle ownership. Whitmer is now forcing the state government's entire fleet of vehicles to be zero emission by the next decade. An executive order signed yesterday directed the 2033 all-state-owned light-duty vehicles must transition to zero-emission vehicles, while all medium- and heavy-duty trucks must follow and do the same by 2040. She said, we're reviving up our commitment to clean energy. To drive our journey towards a cleaner, greener Michigan, we're flipping the switch to convert all state-owned vehicles to zero-emission vehicles. Let's put the pedal to the metal and drive towards more sustainable future. At the same time, she's doing that. Ford and General Motors have very quietly reduced in massive percentages the number of EVs they're producing now. They can't sell them. They're too expensive. Let me give you a personal story. Many of you that know me know that we're affiliated with Evangel Christian Academy, a private school, Christian school in Northwest Louisiana. All of our grandchildren uh, are going there. We've got three that are graduating this year from high school. We have one left after that, and he is a freshman. It's a great school, really, really good school, and it's known for its football team nationwide. It's been on all kinds. ESPN, they have gains. They have 14 state championships, and football began there in 1980. So I know 80 to 23, I can do the math. That's 43 years, but 14 state championships. And, you know, the divisions, based upon the sizes of the schools, the top one in Louisiana is 5A. The bottom one is single A. Evangel has won a state championship in every one of those divisions and multiple in all other all of them except 4A. And they just started playing in 4A for the first time. This year, there are two twins. Well, that's what 10 twins are, Dan. You got two. A set of twins that are really good football players. One of them, uh, they're not identical twins, by the way, but one of them is one of the best high school receivers in football in the nation. The other's a quarterback. 
So, regular season football is over. The coaches keep coming in. College recruiters keep coming in. So you know where Louisiana is. We're, you know, the Gulf South. We're probably halfway between Atlanta, Georgia, and maybe Phoenix. And um, major colleges, those coaches, recruiters, and even head coaches, they'll go all over the United States to try to talk good football players to come on scholarship to their schools. The twin that is a wide receiver got a full offer from Clemson. So Clemson's a long drive from Shreveport. His mom and he flew from Shreveport to Atlanta and then went and rented a car. They hadn't been in an electric car, so mom decided to rent one of Elon Musk's cars. <laughs> and they take off driving <laughs> to Clemson. It's a little haul from Atlanta to Clemson. So they flew in. They had a meeting with the coach. This is a football weekend, you know, several weekends ago. So they didn't have a lot of time that they could stay there. And mom didn't have much experience with electric vehicles. Of course, you know, when you want to drive one, you want to treat it just like you do your combustion engine-driven car. You drive till you need gas, and you pull over and get gas. Well, she didn't think about it. First of all, the top line of that car, Elon Musk's car, it requires not just a charger, but a special charger designed just for that line. And so mom and wide receiver, they got their offer from Clemson. I, I don't know if he's going to accept it yet. A lot of other teams are looking at him, as well as his brother, the quarterback. But they take off to go back and catch their plane in Atlanta. And it's a long drive. They get about halfway there, and they realize we're out of juice. And so they start looking online and trying to find a place to get a charger. They find one, and that's when they found out it takes a special one. So finally they found one. <laughs> And it's 3 o'clock in the morning. They're going to Atlanta to catch a flight. And so they pull over at this one charger and start charging the car. And three hours later, they figured out they had just enough to get to Atlanta. So Mama got up. She got in the back seat, went to sleep, and drove the rest of the way. How many stories like that are out there? And people are hearing this. And for too long, I guess... Everybody got all excited. Everybody did about EVs. You know, they're, they're pretty cool. When I was in over in um, Central and Southern Europe on business, the hub of that trip was in Zurich, Switzerland. All the, all the cars, the rental vehicles and everything, everybody's going, and this is several years ago, they were all going to electric vehicles. And I'd never been in one. So, you know, I got on the app, got this car to come, and pretty much everyone that I had had used was a kind of a smaller Mercedes that they didn't sell this line. They still don't here in the U.S., but it was comfortable. And it would be one of those cars. Well, here comes Elon Musk. Not him, but his car. 
And first time I'd, I'd gotten one, it was really nice and it could get instant power. You didn't have to floorboard it to get it. It just went from zero to whatever in a second or two. It was really nice. And a lot of people had heard that and it kind of, and I'm talking about the United States and got a little taste of it. Well, I got a little taste of it, but you got to have infrastructure. And Joe got from Congress six and a half billion dollars to put in the infrastructure to have these charging stations all across the United States in anticipation of turning the nation away from fossil fuels and replacing them with electric vehicles. How many stories like that have you heard? I've heard of tons of them. And that's why EVs are not going to happen in the United States. And that very expensive 100,000, 100,000 plus EV car that you're going to be trying to dump after you find out the batteries run down after a year or a year and a half, and it's anywhere from 15000 to $40,000 to get new batteries to place them, and you won't have a charging station close by, <laughs> people aren't going to want them. Well, what are they going to replace them with? How about fossil fuel, gas, and diesel vehicles? I think we know those work pretty good. News is coming out. I mean, every day it's something big coming out that's negative for Hunter Biden, negative for Joe Biden. And we are, we're told now, confirmed, we will have a vote in the House of Representatives not to impeach Joe Biden, but to launch and transition into a formal impeachment inquiry. And the reason they want to do that is to slow play it not do it like the Democrats did those two times to Donald Trump where they rush, rush, rush just to get him uh, from, they would pass the impeachment articles in the House, then take those over to the Senate where the Senate decides whether to try the person that has been impeached. They did that twice and didn't have the meat, didn't have the fuel. It was all a charade this time. Republicans have very carefully used three committees to wait for, subpoena, and get actual records from banks that show there is money that has gone into Joe Biden's personal accounts that came from that big China energy company, CEFC. So, they announced they are going to launch this official impeachment inquiry. And there's going to be something that comes out of it this time. During some closed-door testimony yesterday, this is at the House Ways and Means Committee, IRS agent Joseph Ziegler, remember him? He testified that over three years, shortly after their initial meeting, Morris, now Morris is Kevin Morris, the Hollywood lawyer that wrote a bunch of checks to pay for Hunter's tax debts. Hmm. During this testimony, Ziegler testified that over three years, shortly after their initial meeting, Morris sparked over $4.9 million to Biden, Hunter Biden, for quote-unquote personal expenses. 
Hunter appeared to follow a pattern of attempts to avoid paying taxes on relevant income. The first started, now this is Ziegler talking, the first started with Hunter not reporting the Ukrainian gas company Burisma income in 2014, a paltry million dollars, and allegedly falsely claimed that it was a loan. He then again tried to claim millions in Chinese income that he earned from Hudson West 3, one of his other companies, and he said it was a loan to him, which was refuted by the evidence and was not allowed to be considered as a loan by his tax accountants. This continued into 2020, 2021, 2022, in which Hunter received about $4.9 million in payments for personal expenses, again in the form of a loan and a gift from Democrat donor Kevin Morris, he explained. And he continued, I would further point the committee to the fact that Hunter didn't pay his delinquent taxes. He hadn't. A third party, Kevin Patrick Morris, paid them. As stated in my previous testimony, Ziegler said, I read a note from Hunter Biden's 2020 tax return that Hunter received a loan from a third party, known to be Kevin Patrick Morris, in paying off Hunter Biden's delinquent taxes. As was previously reported, Morris had met Hunter in 2019, only after then-former VP Joe Biden had already announced he was running for president. That meeting also followed a reported $250,000 loan from one of the younger Biden's Chinese business associates in July of 2019. So details from the House Oversight Committee noted how Morris went on to acquire Hunter's stake in Bohai Harvest, RST, which is one of Hunter's China deals, and assumed the debt for Hunter. The whistleblower, Ziegler, went on to testify in 2020. The Hollywood lawyer was connecting with accountants on behalf of Hunter, urging expediency to avoid risk personally and politically. Well, Hunter wasn't in politics. Who did that matter to? Alongside IRS Criminal Supervisory Special Agent Gary Shapley, Ziegler and their entire unit had been removed from the Biden case after they had investigated it in earnest for five years. After Ziegler's testimony, House Ways and Means Committee voted to release 56 new pages of evidence that show that then-Vice President Joe Biden used multiple email aliases and private email addresses to communicate with his son's business associates and main financial architect. The president appears now to not only have had the knowledge, but also been intimately involved in Hunter's business dealings. The material released today, this was yesterday, further corroborates the previous testimony of the IRS agents Ziegler and Shapley highlighting the incredible level of access Hunter and his business partners had in Joe Biden's public office while working for foreign businesses. Committee Chair Republican Jason Smith from Missouri, he stated, Vice President Biden appears to have treated Air Force Two like his own corporate jet. He traveled to Ukraine and Mexico to advance Hunter's business interest. Evidence from documents show right around the time of international trips like those to Ukraine, 
Joe was emailing his son and his son's business partner from private email accounts using aliases while he was vice president. And as we told you, House Republicans are expected to hold a formal vote to launch an official impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden in the coming days. And we are told the coming days means next week. So we shall see. Got some more goodies for you in the goodie bag. That's up next. Mr. Rippermorph? Yes, Dorothy? A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paperclips for $2,000. They were multicolored paperclips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Ripamoff? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Wastebusters in action. You can't escape them, sir. They're the Wastebusters. News Center 7 Wastebusters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years... (laughs) Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good. For over 75... (laughs) What are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Gecko. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. What are we told all the time? Facts matter. Nobody's above the law. Well, those sayings come from people, mostly Democrats and mostly from former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Nobody's above the law. She was talking, of course, about Joe Biden. No, she wasn't talking about Joe. She was talking about Donald Trump. Like Donald Trump thinks or thought he was above the law. They found out he didn't do anything wrong. They still haven't been able to pin anything on him. And they can't believe that it is even remotely possible that Donald Trump is innocent of all those charges they've levied at him this time. And you know who really thinks he wasn't guilty of any of that. The American people today, today, with still six Republicans in the race. And you know when you have that, even before the Iowa caucuses, which is the first one coming up next month, 
it's going to be fragmented. When they take polls, it's going to be this guy's up two or three, this one's down two or three. Uh Uh-uh, this time. 62%, 62% of Republicans still want Donald Trump to be president and serve his second term. And every time something new comes out, the Department of Justice, who are being proven every week when the FBI director, Chris Ray or Merrick Garland, the attorney general, whenever they show up for these hearings, we're finding out more and more. The Department of Justice, top to bottom, and that includes the FBI, are corrupt. Chris Ray was there yesterday. He got his panties in a wad over and over again, and he just got busted with facts. But there's something going on quietly behind the scenes nobody's talking about. You're going to hear this for the first time right now. House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan and Rep. Barry Loudermilk of Georgia, yesterday they launched an investigation into the Fulton County District Attorney, you know her as Fannie Willis, who indicted former President Trump back in August for colluding with the January 6th committee. Now listen to this. The House Judiciary Committee, they launched a probe into the DA over her conduct in the 2020 Georgia election interference case after she indicted Trump in mid-August. Jordan and Loudermilk's inquiry cites a December 17, 2021 letter they uncovered that has led them to believe Willis's office coordinated its investigative action with the Partisan Select Committee. Now, you remember them. Those were the, the ones that they put up this charade that wasn't a trial, wasn't a real committee hearing. They had their own witnesses. The two Republicans that were allowed to sit on this committee aren't really Republicans. Both of them are out of Congress now. They weren't allowed to cross-examine any witnesses, and they weren't allowed to present any evidence. (laughs) So it was supposed to be a real select committee, but it was a charade that Nancy Pelosi put together. As you may be aware, I am conducting a criminal investigation of possible attempts to illegally interfere with the administration of Georgia's 2020 general election. Through news reports... We are aware that your committee has interviewed witnesses relevant to our investigation. We understand from the same reports that your committee's investigators may have collected records relevant to our investigation. That's from a letter from Fannie Willis, the DA, to the January 6th committee chairman, Benny Thompson, Democrat rep from South Carolina. Please accept this letter as an official request from me for access to records that may be relevant to our criminal investigation. Those records include but are not limited to recordings and transcripts of witnessed interviews and depositions, electronic and print records of communications, and records of travel. This again from D.A. Willis. The district attorney also suggested she and her staff pay a visit to Washington to meet with the committee's investigators in January and February of this year. I'm sorry, she sent the letter in 2022. Hadn't heard anything. Wonder if they met. 
And of course, Willis, Thompson, and Trump did not respond for comment. And of course, the go-to explanation for that, it's an ongoing investigation. We can't talk about it. Christopher Ray needs to have that tattooed across his head. Every time he's asked about any investigation going on by the people in Congress that constitutionally have demanded oversight of every department in the government, they refuse to give any information, answer any questions. Everybody that comes out of the DOJ, we can't answer that. It's part of an ongoing investigation. And there's nothing in the Constitution or any law passed by Congress that says that is the truth. They just make it up. And so what, 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 well, make them talk. Make them talk. Subpoena the testimony they're going to give. Make them do it. Well, how do you do that? Well, if you subpoena them, you're Congress. If they don't come through, you go to federal court. Well, where are you going to go to federal court? Washington, D.C. Well, why not go there? Every judge is in the tank for the far left. Thank you, Barack Obama. They'll concur with any motion that's brought by a Democrat, but it's virtually impossible to get them to agree and sign off on something that Democrats need and have proven that they need them to be part of running the government. They they don't care about that. So as we talk about this 2024 election that's coming up, I made a prediction that Joe Biden is not going to run. I made it even before he took the oath of office. I, I said there's no way he'll still be on his feet in 2024, late 2024. And there's speculation abundant about who might replace him. The obvious one is the vice president, Kamala Harris. And, of course, everybody, especially the last few months, talks about California Governor Gavin Newsom. He obviously wants to be president and plans on running at some point. His uh, his glitter kind of got tarnished in that debate that he had on Sean Hannity's show with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. For one thing, <laughs> every negative statistic out there that's proven even his own government has been releasing Statistics on everything from homelessness to crime to housing, education, everything. It's been in the public purview for months and months and months. When DeSantis brought him up in that debate, if you didn't see it, (laughs) every time Newsom called him a liar. They have the number one economy in America. They have the lowest economy People are leaving Florida to come live in California. The exact opposite is true. And every one of the things that Gavin Newsom said in that debate were so have been debunked by somebody else and listed in the news. So it makes him look like a fool. I don't think he's going to be the next guy. So who's left? If indeed Joe doesn't make it to the election, I think the only likely replacement would be you waiting? (laughs) 
Michelle Obama. The only way you could have somebody replace Joe because you can't displace an African-American female, even though she's not African-American. She's black, but she's not from Africa. That's a whole other story. Her mother's Indian from India, and her father's from the Caribbean. If they tried to take that mantle away from Joe, for whatever reason or reasons, and give it to somebody other than a black woman, all hell will break loose. And Democrats will even, in droves, vote for Donald Trump if he's in the race. Now, what about Miss Obama? Got a lot of baggage there. But you know what? Both she and her husband are living the real life. No pressure, lots of money. They are living the high life. I don't think she wants to get back in that mess. I don't think she enjoyed being in the White House as the First Lady. I think she would abhor even being in the White House again, and certainly not as the President. So what do they do? I don't know after that. There would be a scramble. And honestly... In this environment we're living in today, it might be a good thing to have somebody brand new just step in. But once again, I don't think it can be, if it's going to be somebody else that replaces Kamala Harris, she obviously is the heir apparent as the vice president of the Democrat Party and America. She should get the Democrat Party nod. We all know she can't successfully do the job. Maybe they've got a plan. I don't know. Donald Trump was asked last night in a town hall again with Sean Hannity up in Iowa, in Davenport, Iowa. I don't know why they chose Davenport. I've been there numerous times. It's not the garden spot of Iowa, but nevertheless, they were there. Former President Trump said he doubts that Joe Biden would be the Democrat Party nominee for this election coming up. He expressed his doubts and said this, I personally don't think he makes it. Okay, I haven't said that. I'm saving this for the big town hall, Trump continued. I personally don't think so. I think he's in bad shape physically. Remember when he said he'd like to take me behind the barn? If he took me behind the barn and I went like this, blowing on him, I believe he'd fall over. I believe he would fall over. I watched him at the beach, Trump said. You know, when they were going down to the beach in Delaware every weekend, had videos abundant everywhere. Trump said he wasn't able to lift the beach chair, which was meant for children. Mentally, I would say he's possibly equally as bad and maybe worse. Obama advisor David Axelrod, you'll remember, he expressed his concerns a few weeks ago about Biden's candidacy for the election coming up. He cited poor polling numbers. Biden has trailed Trump for the first time in several nationwide polls, including ones conducted by NBC News in Quinnipiac. Trump also leads in swing states like Arizona and Michigan, which he won in 2016, but he lost them in 2020, according to Politico and also the Dominion voting machine, 
voting totals. I know you caught that, that I said that. Biden also faces third-party challenges for more liberal candidates, including advocate of the environment Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Professor Cornell West. They're running both of them as independents, while 2016 Green Party candidate Jill Stein announced she's seeking that party's nomination again in 2024. Now, I mentioned the Dominion voting thing. Let me tell you something that happened, and we're in a big stage of it yesterday. Shreveport, Louisiana, sheriff's election. Former member of the police force here, African-American guy, running against a deputy sheriff, former deputy sheriff, a white guy in Shreveport, Louisiana. And sheriff is for the whole parish. We don't have counties in Louisiana. We have parishes. Each parish was originally attached to a church, a Catholic church. So that's how we came to call our, instead of, um, we don't, we don't have divisions other than parishes. Counties is used in every other state. That being said, the African-American guy, the long time ago former sheriff, won the election in the first round by one vote, one vote, 100,000 plus, one vote. Well, the guy that didn't get that one vote immediately filed for a recount. Well, there's a problem in Louisiana's election system with recounts. Dominion Voting Machines does not have their voting machines in Louisiana, but they have their software in voting machines across Louisiana. Now, what does that mean? Well, in that software, there's no way to do a paper ballot recount. It can only be done through Dominion's software. Well, when you do a recount, what comes out? Exactly what went in and what they reported the first time. It came out of the software. And the recount says the same thing. The white guy lost by one vote. So he files. And it goes to a federal judge. Happens to be a longtime friend of mine. None of the local judges would touch the case. So they got a guy, Joe Blyke, out of northeast Louisiana. They took the appeal to him. Evidence was presented. And sure enough, guess what came out of that? Quite a few illegal votes. Illegal ballot harvesting. (laughs) And paper ballots that were signed by people that weren't the people that the ballot was for. Sound familiar? (laughs) And uh, he ruled yesterday, that election is invalid. (laughs) Going to have to have another election. There is no cheating in voting. We're Democrats. We know. You can't say there's cheating in voting unless... You're catching Republicans cheating. That's fact. <laughs> and we're going to end this, this day on that story 
you just never know what's going to happen. You think you've got something figured out. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you got it figured out and it ain't true. Hey, guys, thanks for being here today. You have a great Wednesday. See you tomorrow. Merry Christmas, baby. Should you treat me nice? Merry Christmas, baby. You should did treat me nice. Gave me a diamond ring for Christmas. Now I'm living in paradise. Feeling mighty fine. Got good music on my radio. Ooh, I'm feeling mighty fine. I got good music on my stereo. Well, I wanna kiss you, baby, while you're standing beneath the mistletoe. Came down the chimney about a half past three. 
And of all these pretty presents that you see before me, ooh, Merry Christmas, baby. Sure been good to me. I haven't had a drink this morning. I'm all lit up. I'm all lit up. Christmas tree.